Hello, hello, welcome one and all to the CTO studio. If I sound excited, I have a reason to be. This is the 100th episode. So I am your host, as always, Nikolai Walker. Today we are interviewing Daniel Hindi, who is the CTO of Buildfire. And I want to start off by asking him, in this industry, does he consider himself a rarity? It's, it's always difficult to self-assess um, because that's always uh, a little bit biased. But um, I feel like I'm one of those as well. I, I was never, you know, the stereotypes that every CTO or, or software engineer has, you know, the, the typical... I was never that guy. I was into sports. I was the popular kid at school. I wasn't the A student. You know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, computers always made sense to me. And every time I heard the stereotype, it's like, well, I understand the stereotype, but that doesn't apply to me. And it, it really didn't apply in my career either. I don't know if it, it's the same for you. Because I never joined those teams. Every time I had the opportunity to join the team of a bunch of introverts, you know, just put my head down and, and, and code away. I just opted not to work for those companies. I always wanted to be engaged. I wanted to be, you know, a part of the bigger system. And so it's, it's always odd. I understand where it comes from. I just, it doesn't resonate with me because that, that wasn't my experience. You know, I completely relate to that. And I've actually had some, some, some crises around this because I've often wondered if, if I was, if I fell into the wrong profession, because I, I love technology. Uh, I've been coding all my life. I um, have been building products since I can remember. I've CTO'd a few companies. But when I am with my people and I feel like I'm the odd one out because I'm so loud and connected and emotional, that sometimes I've wondered that was there a, an accidental fusion of personality and 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 geekiness and really I wasn't I mean this is a little meta but I wasn't supposed to really be in this but it just happened that I that I that got fused together for me I would argue that you are the perfect person to find the balance you know to fix the pH level in the pool of CTOs uh, it's too homogenous, right? And you need somebody to come in and shake it up. And and I think from my experience, because that complete that message resonates with me. Um, however, I always thought that I could be the catalyst for change and um, for uh, the engineers that are on my team and and their career paths. And you you see towards uh, you know uh, even the last few months how I'm putting a lot of effort into just teaching others from the business side. How do you deal with with technical people, technical people, how do you deal with non-technical people? And I think you and I have the ability to see systems in its abstract sense. Uh, some uh, engineers still see code, uh, still see the wiring, if you will, where you don't just see the problem. And if you just see the problem and what we're trying to, to solve, you look at marketing as a system that has a mechanism, a process that you can solve. You look at business, you look at customers. Oddly enough, you look at your relationships that way. And sometimes our wives don't like that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're solution oriented. Uh, there's not a system that you feel you can't understand. You, it may not engage you. You may not be happy with it. But I think all of us that reach this level feel like if I really wanted to be a brain surgeon, I could. I may not like doing it. And the only way you could be great at something is actually enjoying the work. 
Uh, maybe that was a bad analogy with with uh, <laughs> brain surgeon. Well, I mean, Elon Musk is preparing that way for us. Uh, yeah, that is true. You know, uh, this is interesting, Daniel, because I do often wonder when people start asking me, well, what makes me happy? Why do I love doing what I'm doing? It's not that easy for me to answer because I feel like there's this tension between those two worlds that you just described. There's a part of me who wants to be deeply immersed in a software project. I want to. Uh, I want to lead an open. I want to open source it. I want to. I want to code it. I want to meticulously craft it. And I. Uh, but I never get around to doing that because then I'm on the other side, which is I'm so interested and so so caught up in the mechanics of the business and the people that make that business and and coding that problem. And then I feel, but hang on, but why don't I have 25 Git projects I'm working on right now and uh, or, or GitHub projects? Why? So then, then when it all boils down to what makes you happy, I'm as confused as you know. I, I it makes me sad. Uh, I I completely understand, and and with age, I feel it also shifts balance a little bit. How much code versus how much you want to be engaged in the business and abstract levels and how much you get into the minutia. You never like to say, I don't know. So everybody, every CTO always wants to be at a certain level, not uh, put in a corner from his own developers, right? Like I, I can do this too, right? I'm not that old. Uh, and I'm saying I just turned 40 and I feel old. Uh, so I, but I completely understand. I mean, a little existential here, but you know, what does it mean to win? Uh, you know, everybody's playing this this finite game, you know, uh, known players, known rules, and there's a winner and loser. Life isn't that simple. It's just not. It's an infinite game. The whole point is to keep the ball going, right? Keep it in play. Keep the game going. And, you know, you see that with your family and, you know, what your investment in your children. You see that in your business. Even when you sort of get bored and I sort of want to move on to my next startup, you don't want that startup to die. You want it to continue. Just you want it to be mature, just like your children, right? Old enough to make mistakes and recover from them and learn from them, but move on to your next. And I feel when you say, uh, you know, what makes you happy, uh, I, I've sort of asked because I, I completely understand that that is a fundamental question that everybody asks that nobody has a, a true answer to and i feel like uh, as long as all of us can create some ripple that you are content with in this world what was the ripple of our effect and, and with us you know creating software that touches the entire planet multiple times over we enjoy the fact of i've put out work that the entire planet has seen uh and except north korea and i'm working on that it is uh, give me a give me a few um but then you know is that enough So briefly, your organization, can you give me some insight into how you've designed your teams? Uh, where, where are they? Are you outsourcing, nearshoring? Like, can you just give us a little bit, for the CTOs listening out there, can you give me some insight into that? Sure. And uh, so I'll just keep it to, to the technical team, since that's, that's probably best for everyone. Um, this is, first of all, my fifth startup. Uh, so I've I've made mistakes in the past, and I've figured out what works. 
<laughs> what works best for me and the, the way I like to manage my teams. And I generally like the golden ratio, uh, the Fibonacci ratio. You know, we see this everywhere. <laughs> but it's always, I, I find a lot of dichotomies of it's either everybody are, is local and in the office or nobody is. Well, that's, you can have both. You can, you can have the right mixture for your company to get the best of both worlds. There's no substitution to having somebody in office who is serendipitously listening into conversations that will make it to his desk eventually. It's this business context that um, is lost when you go to complete remote teams, depending on the communication level that your company provides. So what I like to do for every one developer here, I have two. If I have two, I have three outsource. If I have three, I have five outsource. So it's like the golden ratio. It's not perfect. You try to level it out. Uh, but I feel like a lot of the decision-making um, are for the people who are around the decision-making process. Just by being close by, you're hearing conversations. You're hearing the other departments communicate in their problems that, unfortunately, you can't be a part of if you're just on Slack. Uh, so, uh, But we still need the force with hands on keyboards, thinking of algorithms and efficiencies and things like that. And that is great outsource use. Uh, but the part that needs more synergy with the other departments, I like to keep uh, local. No, but I'm, 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 I'm really upset that you mentioned the golden ratio because I knew I liked you, but now you're driving me nuts. <laughs> I, am, I am rabid about the golden ratio. It's, it's uncanny how, uh, especially when you know about it, you start finding it in things. And uh, sometimes it may mean that I'm not that <laughs> sane. <laughs> you start seeing it everywhere. I actually, um, I, I technically still have this hackathon, but I in San Diego, I hosted the 1619 hackathons. Um, and it was based on the Golden Ratio um the 1619 1.619 um but uh i was I, I used mob programming as a way to divide up the teams to work on a real world problem specifically for code school graduates and super junior engineers it was very successful i mean we saw we saw those mobs build um uh, Tetris games. We saw them build a little blockchain. We saw them. Unbelievable, Daniel, what you can do when you, you know, I won't go into it, but I kind of used a bit of the golden ratio thinking, like you just mentioned with the Fibonacci, um, how you organize things and just learn from nature. And man, it was phenomenal what we did. You see it in your development, you see it in your estimations, you see it in your team structure. Um, it's, uh, it's uncanny. <laughs> I've actually wrote a book about it that I didn't feel was worthy of publishing. So I broke it up. <laughs> I, I broke it up into articles and I submitted it to uh, Forbes uh, 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 publication. And uh, I've been dealing with my project, Cogent Step, as you, as you know. And I've been uh, talking about this a lot um, on my YouTube channel, just explaining 
how you could benefit from these ratios and, and what is the right balance. And just like so many things in the world, there's, it's always a shade of gray. It's not black or white. It's, it's a shade of gray. And finding uh, the other thing that you find so many people um, sticking to uh, processes in a religious manner, which you end up working for the process and not the process working for you. So it's always, if you, if you ever talk to, you know, the, the, the founders of the agile software development life cycle and, and so on, they'll tell you, well, this is a framework that you'll make it work for you. It doesn't have to be to a T this way. It's not even, it's not even a framework. It's just a couple principles that you can build any framework on top of. And the second it's not working for you, then either you're not implementing it right or it's not right for you. But but it the process needs to always work for you. And how do you know if it's working for you? Look look at the results. It's fairly straight. That's one of the beauty uh, of, of being in software is uh, the instant gratification, right? Uh, I just hit F5, starts running. You know, I, 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 I start writing some code and I, I instantly see that uh, that result. And when you're dealing with teams, this is where you need to learn a little bit more patience to see sometimes a process and a team needs a little bit more maturity to see the results on the other side. And again, we're guilty of it as engineers because we always want that instant gratification. And so, friends, just like a starship that knows no bounds, headed for places we never thought we'd see, welcome and hurrah to episode 100. Thanks again for joining us here in the CTO studio, and thank you to our guest, Daniel Hindi, who is the CTO of Build Fire. Please go check out buildfire.com. Also check out 7ctos.com if you need a community of your peers, and you know you do. And also subscribe to Daniel's YouTube channel, Cogent Step. And while you're at it, do one more thing and subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. As always, we will see you next time. <laughs>